Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. As always, we bring our topics as well as our guests that will help to empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I'm very pleased to have my guest, Fatima Mirza. And let me tell you a little bit about Fatima. She is a certified resume master who has been helping job seekers with their resumes for the past 13 years. Her company, Career Tuners, is a small team of skilled professionals from various industries who specialize in providing professional resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles, and much more career-related services to help those ambitious people land their dream jobs and achieve their career goals. I chose this theme today in an area that I know as being someone who has been both the interviewee and the interviewer, that there sometimes are tough interview questions. And especially now in this changing environment that we have, employment environment, we want to ask, you know, why why are they asking these questions and how should we answer them? So please join me in welcoming Fatima Mirza. Hey. Thank you so much. Thank you for the warm welcome. Such a pleasure to be here. So it, it, there's a lot of different directions we can go, but we always start in the very simple um, question of the day, which is tell everybody where you live um, and uh, what country you were from. Sure. So I live in Irvine, which is supposed to be the safest large city in the United States. I love Irvine. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's very, very safe, very, very boring, just the way I like my life, <laughs> uneventful. <laughs> and I, I grew up kind of all over the world. I'm originally from India, but I was born in Saudi Arabia, and I moved around, flitted back from country to country, uh, and here I am today. Awesome. See, we, we get the benefit of it, too. Yes. So share how you actually got started in this career, because it's not one, you know, there are people out there that do this, but it's not something that you hear every day. And, mm-hmm. and it is something that many a, a person <laughs> seek on the old Google to find solutions to help them with their resumes. So how did you get started? Honestly, I just got my start helping some friends and it just snowballed from there with word of mouth. Whatever I was seeing my friends struggling with, I started also posting about on Facebook and LinkedIn and I got 
a really big following quickly. Uh, my Facebook page that I had, it's no longer active, but it's on LinkedIn, I managed to retain everybody that followed me. Uh, and I just learned that people really struggle to talk about themselves in a way that makes sense to hiring managers and even to admissions committees. Even though they might be the most articulate person when talking about any other topic or even when talking about any other person it's just when we start talking about ourselves it starts feeling like boasting which we've been taught is a really bad thing to do so I help kind of help you talk about yourself better without making you feel icky or uncomfortable (laughs) it's the same struggle that we have as entrepreneurs of trying not to be salesy whenever we're trying to talk about the skills that we have and how we can help you absolutely And, and one of the, uh, before we get into those tough questions, one of the things that came to mind when you were just talking is when we think about resumes, mm-hmm. you know, way back in the 70s, when I did my first resume, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was sort of like you thought, well, one and done, you know, until you got a new job. But should you tailor your resume to the job you're going after? Absolutely. That's definitely the number one priority you should have, because if you keep updating your resume, it's no longer going to be relevant. And I see this a lot with professionals that have more than 20, 30 years of experience. It looks like their resume has grown organically. It's like an overgrown garden and you have to trim things down and weed it out and pluck out all of all of the things that are not immediately relevant to their hiring needs. Uh, because otherwise you come across as a little bit scattered, a little bit overqualified. And if the key parts of your profile are buried under lots of text, you might even come across as underqualified. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very important every time you're looking for a job to pretty much prune your resume and make sure it's hyper-focused on the kinds of jobs you're looking for. And you probably want to remove anything that's older than 15 years unless you're looking for like a CEO type position where having 30 years of experience in that field is going to be a big asset for you. Excellent advice. All right. So we'll get right to what our theme is for today. Those tough questions. Let's just talk about them. Absolutely. So as someone who also has sat in the other seat, the interview answers that always impress me most are the ones that are that show that they've been paying attention, right? So the toughest interview question that I feel a lot of people mess up is actually the first one that is typically asked, which is usually a version of tell me about yourself or walk me through your resume. Uh, What they're looking for when they're asking that is they want to get a general big picture understanding of who you are and what you can contribute to the role that they're hiring for. But I feel where people mess this up is they talk too much. They talk about all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the job. They talk so much about things that have nothing to do with the job that they risk pigeonholing themselves. Mm. So it's really important that with every new interview, that answer actually changed. Like how I talk about myself to Vicky is going to be totally different to how I talk about myself to, let's say, uh, a job interviewer interviewing for like a director of marketing position. So similarly, one answer at one company isn't going to work well for another company. You have to tailor it to the company's size, probably what the budgets they are that they're maybe working with, the team size maybe that they're working with. If you know you're going into a company where it's very large and there's a lot of like overgrown 
antiquated processes, talking about how you, you know, you can work with small budgets and build teams from scratch, that's going to pigeonhole you in the wrong direction. So Mm -hmm. you want to show culture fit by customizing your answer each time. So I would say that is the toughest question that a lot of people mess up and how you answer that. It depends strictly on the job that you're interviewing for. Yeah, I can see. And and that kind of ties to whenever we as entrepreneurs are just trying to talk about what we do and Mm -hmm. we want to get everything in that two minutes or one minute that we have. And you really need to just answer what the need is that that the yep. person, you know, what's the pain you're fixing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's another question that might come up that's a little tough for people to answer? Uh, I think another question that people mess up often is tell me about your biggest strengths. Uh, it seems like a question that's specifically designed to help you out. Like, just, you know, tell me what you're all about. Tell me how you can help. But again, people mess this up. They focus on strengths that aren't really in line with the hiring manager's needs or their cultural values. Uh, and they're talking about things that again, pigeonhole them in the wrong direction. So the fr- like the general framework that I teach is first of all, to make sure you are doing your research on not just the company, but also the mm-hmm. job description, read between the lines to see what their pain points are. And of course the interviewer themselves, how you talk to somebody who grew up got their first career in that industry is going to be a little bit different from how you talk to somebody who's brand new to that industry, yeah. right? Um, understanding what kind of ego they might have, how they see themselves and their own self-worth, how that's tied into the work that they're doing. That's also really important. Like I had, um, there was a candidate I was interviewing. I was not interviewing. I was coaching, coaching him for interviews and he was like oh I'm a fast learner so I can learn everything that there is to do about this job really easily and he thought that was such a big strength but it made him look first of all inexperienced yeah second of all kind of disrespectful because the field he was trying to get into was highly technical and you know the people that are in that field are very highly paid and they have their self-worths tied to their pay so it's kind of like he's saying I can do what you do very easily and I can do it really quickly (laughs) you know so um that is a question that a lot of people mess up and or sometimes they'll just say like these vague strengths like oh I'm a people person but they're not like backing it up with a story or like describing how they transform things with that strength so that's another mistake that you can make with that question so would you say that it would be helpful besides researching and I think a lot of people skip that step Mm -hmm. before they go on a job interview but besides that having that ability to, um, to to put questions back to the person so that you can get more insights. Say you couldn't get a lot of research. How helpful is it for you to have some open-ended questions back to the interviewer? Or very is that helpful. putting them in? Very, very helpful. And I mean, you're going to run into this if you're interviewing with small companies that maybe don't have like that much of a presence. You're also going to run into this for larger companies if they're pioneering something. Mm. If they're trying to build a unit or some department from scratch and they're trying to bring you on so that you can help with that, you know, why are you currently hiring for this position? What does success for this role look like? within the first year of, of hire. These questions can really help you answer to that and some of your answers and position you for higher pay when it comes time to negotiate your salary. Like there's this other candidate that I was coaching for interviews for a director of marketing position. And they 
they were like, we can only give you $80,000, which is like laughably low for that role. But she was like, eh, whatever, I'll just interview to get the practice. Why not? And she's asking them all these questions about why they're hiring, about the structure of the executive board. And she learns that the CEO is also doing like CFO tasks. So she starts talking about like her ability to manage budgets, profit and loss management skills, how much finance she studied and all of that. And she was able to get an offer for 160000 which is double what they were originally offering. It was still a little bit low for her, but it was a good experience for her to um, assess what it is that they really needed and figure out how she can fit herself into that equation. Yeah, awesome. So how about one more mm-hmm. question? That question. Yes. Okay, I think this is something... There's a lot of advice on this online, but I think it bears repeating, you know, the question, tell me about your biggest weakness. Um, you do not want to use a weakness that would interfere with your ability to do the job. Yeah. Like if you uh, are interviewing for like a teaching role and if you say like, I'm not a very good talker, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to really And they need to that. talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you also don't want to do like a like a fake weakness like oh yeah I'm just like such a perfectionist if you do have that tendency to be like a perfectionist or an over communicator you have to kind of underscore where that impact has resulted negatively for you so if you're a perfectionist you can say something like I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist and that has resulted in me wanting things to be so perfect to the point that I feel like I am not very collaborative sometimes with some of my colleagues who want to get things done more quickly, but this is something that I've been working on. I, you know, take a take, I make sure that when something is assigned to me, I'm asking, you know, how soon do you need this by? And within that time frame, I try to do my best. But if like I do not delay beyond that time frame and I make sure that everybody who needs to be collaborating is collaborating and all their voices are heard and I'm giving equal weight to all of them. So something like that to really show like, this is a genuine weakness. I understand mm-hmm. the impacts that it's had and I have been working on this by doing A, B, and C. Yeah. Obviously some things are like bigger weaknesses in some roles and some things are less so. Like being a perfectionist wouldn't be that much of a weakness if you were like an editorial dicta- uh, director right. or something, mm-hmm. but it might be if you were, you know, doing the kind of job where you just had to knock things out quickly one after the other. Right. So how do you beat the anxiety that comes prior to interviewing so often? Uh, Try to interview with companies that you're not really that excited about. Because if you're only ever interviewing like once every five years with only your dream company, that's, first of all, you're gonna be rusty. You're going to be totally out of your element. You are going to feel a lot of anxiety and pressure. So you should be interviewing whenever possible, well, not whenever possible, at least once a year, even if you're very happily employed, because that'll help you see what is out there. How are people hiring? What are some of the questions they're asking? What are some of the skills they're looking for? And do I need to be adding these to my profile? And it'll allow you to just kind of stay sharp. So when you do have an interview that you really care about, you're not going to feel it as much. Yeah. I know I came from being in corporate for a a long time. Mm -hmm. And so you get to interview because you're always doing new projects or new departments or promotions or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, in, in a smaller company where you don't have as many internal opportunities, I think that's a great idea to just go out there and, and what the heck, you you might find that dream job that you didn't even know you needed. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. So how do you write a successful cover letter? I actually have a free cover letter template on my website that you can just grab by navigating. Uh, it'll take you like a, maybe like max an hour to fill out, but I designed it such that it could be filled out in half an hour. Uh, but the success, a successful cover letter isn't one that's like super customized to the job. And I know that's counter to what a lot of people say, but here's, here's why I'm saying that. I have spoken to people that are like, I... I'm wasting too much time on my job search. Like I'm really frustrated. I'm spending like hours customizing each application and I'm like, okay, maybe don't do that. Just write one really strong cover letter that you're proud of and don't spend more than 10 minutes customizing it. A strong cover letter is one that's short because, you know, back yeah. in the day, a cover letter would go on top of your resume and you'd mail it out and they'd see the cover letter, hence cover, right? And then they would flip it over and there would be a resume. But now it's more typical that your resume gets looked at okay this person meets the criteria oh they attached a cover letter let me go through it and now you're using your cover letter to show your passion for the field how you're growing and that sort of thing so uh that's a different like reader journey and you kind of mm -hmm. want to be aware of that and one big cover letter mistake that i really want to caution people against is talking about what can be perceived as red flags and detailing that and going into long discussions about that in your cover letter you know I was unemployed because I was doing this and you know I had a health issue and well and it's it's really like not very politically correct of me to say that because of course people get sick of course people need to take time off when they're undergoing something serious like a divorce or a death in the family however when you're just a piece of paper you're not a person and this is the harsh reality of the job application online world you're just mm -hmm. a piece of paper and you really want to have help the reader understand that you have the capabilities to do the job and to do the job really well anything that detracts from that can be spoken about in the interview so save all of that stuff for the interview if you do have an employment gap or some circumstance that you need to talk about in your resume because it's you know making people kind of question your career path and stuff, there's hundreds of solutions that don't entail kind of going into detail about circumstances that could potentially be construed as, hey, I don't think, let's say Vicky, Vicky mm -hmm. doesn't have all of the qualifications needed to do this job. I feel she's gone rusty. I feel she's going to be distracted because she's still working on this thing, mm -hmm. right? And that's unfair. And it's, you know, it's like, Everybody goes through those things, but you have to talk about it in that first impression in a way like this is not going to detract anything from my candidacy. So I have tons of blogs on different situations that you might have in your career, like employment gaps, job hopping, if you're fired, if you're suing the company that you used to work at for discrimination, how to talk about these things in the resume, in the, uh, in the interview. Please don't talk about them in your cover letter. Awesome. I'd like you to just put your hiring manager hat back on and answer okay. that question if i uh -huh. am the hiring manager you're the hiring manager and you see those gaps you know i know from my days there are some people that are great interviewers and there's some that you know they just get into a job and then they find out that they've got to hire people and they have they aren't great so mm -hmm. if you're the hiring manager 
when you see a gap, what is the best way to react to that? As a hiring manager, just asking in the interview, like, can you tell me more about like what you were doing between these dates? Is that, is that what you were asking? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that what I was leading to is that sometimes a person hiring manager will see those gaps and immediately discount the person, not even really look further Mm -hmm. into their resume. So I think that's where what you were saying about the cover letter has to be attractive, uh, attention getting enough, intriguing enough to make them want to read the skills on the resume and not just get to that first line of where that gap could be and say, oh no. Yeah. So, so how you would how you would still wow them and get the interview anyway, so that you can at least have that conversation be a human being, like a person as yeah. opposed to a piece of paper. It really depends on the circumstance that you are trying to cover. So let's I'll give a, I'll throw out a few examples. Let's say you have a bit you started a business in the same industry and you potentially can be seen as a hostile competitor Mm. how do you talk about that in your resume well you give yourself a job title as a business owner you're the boss you give everyone their job titles you give yourself a job title and you only focus on the parts of what you're doing that relate to the job that you want to do so as a business owner you might be doing hundreds of things but what does the job description want you to do just focus on that and focus on your wins if you have less than two years of experience at each of the companies that you worked at, you come across as looking uh, like a flight risk, potentially, yeah, potentially someone who gets cron- like fired or like, what is the deal with this person? How you overcome that is show that you left each job on good terms by focusing on how you achieved everything you were hired to do. So for example, if you're in sales, I exceeded my quota. If you're in marketing, I increased our engagement by double digit percentage points every year. And add a snippet of a recommendation from your boss to show that you left everything on good terms. Mm -hmm. If you have a gap, you can fill it with freelancing work, volunteer work, studies that you've done in that time. Basically anything that shows first two things that you weren't you didn't leave on bad terms. You weren't fired. So you're like unemployable. And second, that you, in that gap, you didn't go, you didn't let yourself get rusty. You kept your skills up to date because mm-hmm. these fields, some of them change so fast. Some of them entail, you know, manipulating uh, data in these different platforms and those keep evolving. And if you haven't done that in more than a year, you look outdated already, especially in some of these kind of like tech heavy fields. So showing that you're kind of staying abreast of that, maintaining your certifications, continuing education, that kind of thing. Um, So there's lots and lots of different things you can do to kind of cover these red flags. I have Mm -hmm. so many blogs on this. I promise you, if you just Google career tuners, I don't know, employment gap, career tuners, job hopping, career tuners, entrepreneur, like whatever it is that you are struggling with in your resume and when telling your story in interviews, I have written a blog on it. I promise. That's awesome. And examples that you can literally just copy and paste. Fantastic. So you have blogs on everything else. Do you have a blog on creating the perfect resume? I do. I do actually. (laughs) So you can definitely check that out. And I also have like a little two-page resume cheat sheet that's basically a resume and then all of the annotations that show you why we did things in a specific way. And when I put that cheat sheet together, I actually like merged 
two multiple different resumes one was like of a very high level like a, an older professional with lots of mm-hmm. experience and the second page I used examples that someone who's very young and fresh can possibly emulate so there's going to be something in there for everybody one page or two page resumes it's a two-page resume yeah because after some time like you do need a two-page resume yeah yeah for me uh, we <laughs> definitely take two pages all right and designs you know when you go out there and and do some of the the tools that they have there's a ton of different designs how do you know what the right design is for you I think it's almost like a branding thing but what's your thoughts my thoughts is that you know everything is being uploaded to these applicant tracking systems and it's being parsed so the cleaner and simpler the better my personal resume is Arial size 11 font black and white and the headings are just a slightly bigger font that's it so I keep it very very simple and I want my branding to shine through in the content wow she has done so much in this space like that's what I want people Mm -hmm. to take away with lots of flash and color and all of that first of all you risk you know not getting picked up at all because of applicant tracking system incompatibility issues the second thing is like I my guard, and I know the, the recruiters I've surveyed, their guards immediately go up when we see a really flashy or like creative resume, unless you're a graphic designer, because immediately we start thinking, what are you trying to hide? Like, why have you structured things in this way? Why are you, you know, why is it so flashy? And mm-hmm. making sure things are easy and kind of traditional and boring helps people not have their guard up and lets your content and achievements really shine through. Photo or no? Photo? No, no, no. Not in the United States. I think, yeah, because it's like lawsuit potential, right? (laughs) That's a good point. That is a good point. There's a whole bunch of lawsuits that could come out of that. Excellent. (laughs) All right. It is time now for rapid fire. So this is where we'll give some five different questions and you can just give a quick answer to. And if you have more to tell, then you'll just have to go and ask that question to her. Um, a comment on our website as well as go to her social media so how do you ask for a promotion I have a salary negotiation template that you can download on my website where I have a detailed email template for this ah how do I ask for a raise same template or different it, it's the same time. I guess you would tweak it a little. That's a good point. Let me actually add a line to that, showing you how you can tweak it for a promotion versus a raise. Yeah, thank Very you. Very good. <laughs> and what steps should I take if I really need, want, hope to get paid more? Uh, first, does your boss think you are not performing well? If that's, if that's their perception, correct their perception by asking for a very concrete, smart goal that's very transparent and both parties can agree that, okay, this is what I need to achieve in order to be considered a high performer. Uh, then do lots of research. If you're higher up, like if you're a senior manager or higher, this entails speaking to recruiters and joining professional associations. If you're younger, a simple online search or looking up different forums can be enough. Uh, and third, you know, surround yourself by people that are pay- that are getting paid well, because then that reinforces that mentality. Okay, this is what's, this is what's happening in the world now. And this right. is achievable and attainable. And I guess that also kind of leads to help you identify gaps in your skill set 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Why is this person being paid so much more? Mm -hmm. Oh, they have a master's degree in biomedical engineering while I don't. Maybe I need to go back to school and do that. Or maybe that's not relevant to me. I just decided it's not. That mm-hmm. the money that I would spend for a master's degree, like I, I wouldn't be able to justify that much increase. Like you can you can make these decisions if you have that information. Mm-hmm. And I think too, there are some jobs where um, the skill is a big part of it, but if you're in senior management, a lot of times you aren't the doer and therefore yeah. your people skills, your, uh, you know, your leadership skills are, are far higher in the priority of what, whether or not you're going to get the job. Absolutely. So <laughs> this is just uh, timely for the last several years, but how do I stay healthy working from home? What I personally do is have something outside of work that I have to do. So for me, I have a daughter. I have to pick her up at a very specific time from daycare. Otherwise, it's not going to be good. So you, They if, charge you, baby. <laughs> uh, so if you, if you can have something like that, that forces you to step away from your desk, especially if you're working from home, that is so, so important to maintaining your sanity. And I mean... I think there's so much, you know, preaching that goes on online, like, oh, go to the gym and blah, 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 and focus on your health. And And that's hard. Sometimes, you know, it's not really attainable or feasible if you have a lot of responsibility and you're just not able to get away. But if you have something on your calendar that you absolutely have to commit to it, if you have like an end to your day, it can really be exactly what you need to maintain your creative energy so that I mean come back tomorrow you're actually getting stuff done as opposed yeah. to just checking off task after task so I find um doing a load of laundry helps because <laughs> you doing the laundry. because it's something that takes you know 15 or 20 minutes it gets yeah, you yep. off your butt it yep. gets you doing something that's routine and and allows your brain to actually start to think creatively yeah, so yeah. doing laundry scrubbing the floor you know mm-hmm. uh, I take a walk around the block you know mm-hmm. whatever it is but again it just gets you off of that one thing that you've been doing all day which is sitting staring at the screen and I don't know if you're like this but like I get really antsy if things around me aren't clean so I feel like this this does two things it makes me feel good like mm-hmm. I'm peace and also it gives me some brainstorming time and all of that absolutely yeah so what is the next big thing on your Mm -hmm. journey AI and career development. This is so interesting. I yeah. have been exploring ChatGPT and its ability to coach you for interviews, help you pick the right career path for you, write your resume for you. I've been publishing all the prompts that I've discovered on this topic on my blog. And I'm also writing about all of the mistakes it's making because ChatGPT works with basically everything it's finding on the internet. Some of that stuff is not good information. Some of it is outdated and some of it Mm. can be damaging for your unique situation. So I'm kind of trying to 
make it mess up as much as possible so that I can log that and show people what to avoid. I am so excited because my services are very, very one-on-one, like, you know, really digging deep into who the person is, their motivations and Mm -hmm. what they've achieved and all of that. And I think if I can just kind of engineer that with AI, I can make the work that I do a lot more accessible to a lot more people. So uh, I'm doing that. I just actually was on another podcast where I was speaking to this gentleman who is help he wants to kind of take the career coaching stuff that I do and see how we can serve high school students with it yeah (laughs) I think AI I think underserved high school students you know this is how potentially they might be consuming information and we can make this more accessible to them so I'm very excited about this I'm going to keep tinkering with it and seeing how else it can help people so if you have any questions about your career path please reach out to me because I want to see what we can do with AI and if it can potentially help your help solve your problem. So we definitely need to have another podcast to talk about that as you progress. And I uh-huh. work with the youth too. So I think that that would be a great uh, synergy if we work together. Well, I'll connect you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That that's <laughs> awesome. So it is time now for me to share my screen. That means for those of you that have just been listening in, go grab that paper and pencil or pay it pen so that you can get the at least the website information. Everything will be on my YouTube as well as my website that you can capture if you are driving or in some other place that you don't have a paper and pencil. All right, those of you that are looking in, get ready to do a screenshot. Right. So as we mentioned, her website is the career tuners that's c-a-r-e-e-r-t-u-n-e-r-s.com careertuners.com she's on facebook career tuners one she's on linkedin at career tuners she is on instagram at career tips from ct and she is on twitter career tuners i'm going to let her talk to you a little bit about the resources that she has as she mentioned already, all of these templates and things and blogs. Yeah, you can grab all of those at careertuners.com slash podcasts. You can grab my offer doubling resume cheat sheet, my $323,000 per year LinkedIn cheat sheet. I have my cover letter template on there, some salary negotiation templates, which I'm just going to tweak based on that feedback from Vicky. <laughs> That'll be live probably within the next 24 hours. Uh, and you can also grab a uh, bunch of other free resources I send you know whenever I discover something or learn something it does go out to my email list uh, so you can sign up for that there as well and if you have any questions just reply to anything that you receive from me it'll end up directly in my inbox and I'll see what I can do to help well it has been so wonderful talking to you you know as I said there's not a lot of people out there talking about this but you know especially now Mm -hmm. a lot of people are just either looking for a job, thinking of they, they want to change jobs, but you gave such great advice about the fact that even if you're not thinking you need a job, just to interview, mm-hmm. to keep those skills really fresh and to and see, explore what your opportunities are. We get so comfortable that we think, oh, well, I, you know, I, I'm I don't know, the grass looks green over there, but I don't know mm-hmm. if it really is. But, right. you know, interviewing doesn't mean you take the job, that you always can say no. So yep. why not um, just take a chance? I, I think that you gave some wonderful advice. 
hopefully everybody will go to her website, thecareertuners.com and check out the, the career tuners slash podcast so that you can get those blogs and, and be informed, share it with your college students, with your uh, high school students and um, heck, you know, those of us that are just starting that second career. Again, thank you so much for being my guest. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And always, I remind everybody that life is a journey and it is up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.